Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. So if you guys are anything like me and you struggle with allergies, raise your hand because I am right there with you. I get super itchy throat, itchy ears, and I sneeze like a crazy woman. And it really does prevent me from wanting to take my daily walks with my husband. But luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. It is designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongests your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes and an itchy nose and sinus congestion and pressure with an ease, which is a exactly what I need. So I have been using them anytime that I have allergies, which has been many, many times. I have found that it has definitely helped me so much where I can go outside again and enjoy my day. So if you guys are ready to live life as if you don't have allergies, it is time to live Claritin Clear. It is fast and powerful relief. It's just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. So podcasts have really popped off in the last couple years and I feel like a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, Janine, how do I start a podcast? And I'm here to help you out today. So if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, because I absolutely love podcasting, I think it is so fun and I think everybody should do it. So if you guys are interested in starting one, Spotify has a platform that lets you make one super, super easily. And even on the platform as well, they will distribute it everywhere for you. And then you can even earn money, which is so cool. It's all in one place and it's completely for free. It's called Spotify for podcasters and here's how it works. So Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts literally right from your phone or your computer. It's super, super easy. So no matter what y'all setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. So don't feel like you have to have it all together to start one. You can start today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else that podcasts are heard. Also, what is so great is if you do want to have a video feature, video podcasts are available on Spotify and I have that on mine and I think it's just so fun and engaging for my audience to be able to see me on Spotify as well. So with Spotify for podcasters, you can even earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. So definitely check that out. And here is the best of all point of this. It is completely free with no catch. So ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just feel like it has been so engaging. I feel like I'm loving the options that that Spotify is giving me with Q and A's and polls and even having video. So I highly recommend you guys give it a try. Download the Spotify for podcasters app, or you can go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. You guys are going to love this. If you've been wanting to start it, this is your sign. Jesus is a savior. He, he's the best in the world at saving someone. And all that you need to be saved by Jesus is to realize that, man, I have sinned in really big ways. Spiritual maturity is knowledge and obedience, but spiritual mature, maturity more than knowledge is, is enjoyment. It's like enjoyment, God, like, like learning to enjoy obeying him, like believing that his ways are better than our ways. 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Happy and Healthy. I am your host, Janine Amapola. Welcome back to the pod, you guys. Um, happy Tuesday. If you're listening on a Tuesday, we drop these every single Tuesday. And man, today is a Wednesday for me. I cannot believe we are in the month of April already. So freaking crazy. We are into Q2 of the year, which is wild. So this is just a reminder that you are entering into the second quarter of the year. So just as a reminder to go back and look at Q1 and you know, audit. How did you do? How was it? How did it go? What were you proud of? What did you need to revise? Go back to your goals because usually we drop off. And I know there's been a couple of things that I've dropped off on, but uh, just a little reminder for you guys. And um, yeah, let's try to think what else is going on in my life. I am going to LA this weekend. I'm really excited. I'm going to go just see a ton of my old friends. Um, I used to live there. So it's just a sweet place for me to always go back to and see um, all my old best friends and stuff. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, you guys can follow along on my Instagram or TikTok. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, I've been having so much fun with some of the guests on here. Um, I do plan on doing some solo episodes. Um, I've just been so busy right now, but I, one of my projects I'm working on just finished. So I will be working on some solo episodes as well. Um, and then again, just thank you guys for all your support on the podcast. Life has been pretty crazy. Um, just all over the place. I mean, just trying to balance so much at once right now. Um, but the podcast has always been a priority of mine. I absolutely love it. And I just am seeing so much fruit from it. And this is just a reminder, like whatever your dream is, it doesn't even have to be a podcast, like start it, do it, go for it. Like if someone doesn't believe in you, like let God be the one that believes in you because he does and partner with God, but pray about it first, you know, but I'm just so excited to see how this podcast is grown and blown up. And it's just been so, so amazing. So thank you guys so much. But for today's episode, I'm going to be bringing on a good friend of mine, Jonathan Pacluda. We're going to be talking about his book today, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do? Replace Deadly Vices with Life-Giving Virtues. And JP and I go way back. Um, he's literally known me probably since I was in high school. Um, and he used to lead the porch at Watermark, which is how I found out about him. And now he lives in Waco. He's the pastor there at Harris Creek Church. And he's just somebody I genuinely look up to, somebody that I, I aspire to look more like. He pushes me closer to Christ. He convicts me, calls me higher, challenges me. I mean, just genuinely an incredible leader for today's generation. And for my age specifically, I feel like the 20s, um, this time range is so confusing and it's so difficult. And I know we're all navigating that, but he's someone that consistently pours into young adults and is a leader for that. So definitely check out his podcast, Becoming Something, his book. And today we're going to talk about sin and we're going to talk about overcoming sin and why do we do what we don't want to do. Talking about the book and whether that's, um, apathy or lust or pride or materialism talking about that and just how can we fight the good fight of this faith because it's difficult out there y'all I know that we all have hang-ups and addictions and things that we're struggling with but I just genuinely believe like when you partner with God and people there's nothing you cannot overcome like that's a part of my story that's the only way that I found freedom and I believe that's the same thing for you guys and JP's story as well so I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I'm really honored to have JP on and let's just get right into it and I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, let's do this. JP, how are you today? What's up, man? How am I? I am happy and healthy. That's, That's what I want to hear. I am happy and healthy. We're, this is amazing. How are you, friend? Great to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you as well. Um, you and I have been friends for a very, very long time. I think this is oh, actually gee. your 
third time on my podcast. We go way back. Oh, yeah. You've seen that's me awesome. when I was a fetus. So that's fun. And not really, probably <laughs> well, when I was like, like wow. that went weird. That went to a weird place. <laughs> yeah. That's what Gen okay. Z calls. Like when, whenever Gen Z thinks like you're really young, they call you a fetus. So I'm just oh, trying man. to keep you up to date on Gen Z terms. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. That's good to know. Hey, make, <laughs> Hey, Hannah, make note of that. Write that uh, down. <laughs> fetus. I want to stay relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. It's been a busy day. Um, I'm just cranking out things as well, but you, you have been someone as always, that is just highly requested on the podcast. Um, someone I look up to so much. I mean, I listen to y'all's podcast becoming something all the time because yeah, you can cool. really do navigate pretty tough questions that yeah. sometimes I'm like, I, I don't have the wisdom on that one yet. So yeah. everyone check out becoming something. It's yeah, it's like it's like part wisdom and like three parts foolishness. Yeah. Just yeah. just being willing to say really hard things. But yeah, no, I love I love being on and and um it, it you like you said, we go way back and I do ask my mom to write in all the time. Mom request me for happy and healthy podcasts. So <laughs> all those all those requests are from family members. So I love it. Yeah, she's been making like fake accounts and stuff just to keep <laughs> <you> on. <laughs> yeah. Great mom right there. Yeah, the podcast uh, is doing great, by the way. I, I, uh, our team watches the charts and, and I, uh, you're, you're crushing it. So let's go. Yeah, that was so funny because I actually, I don't watch the charts and I had yeah. no idea. And you were like, man, your podcast is crushing. And I was like, yeah. are you, how are you gauging that? She's like, and why then, are you saying that? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I didn't understand. <laughs> Thank you. I, pre I mean, y'all are too, like consistently yeah. crushing it and providing yeah. truth. And so, yeah. Thank you for just being a voice in this generation. I mean, you are 42. Is that correct? Yeah, that is right. Okay. I remember I texted you and I said 43rd birthday and you were like, no, it's 42. Yeah. Yeah, I felt 42. bad. Yeah, um, you should, as you should have. I, I'm so sorry. No, I, I have prayed about forgiving you and I'm not there yet, but I'll get there. God is, well, God's maybe grace is amazing. You should reread your forgiveness chapter in your book then. Oh, burn. Yeah. Okay. How about All that? Right. Black. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay. I just want to say like, you are a leader, you are a speaker, you're a teacher, you, um, I'm just going to read your bio because it's also in the back of your book, but uh, you're a lead pastor of Harris Creek Baptist church in Waco. So you moved to Waco how many years ago now? Four years. Four years. That's crazy. Um, the author of the best-selling welcome to adulting outdated as well as welcome to adulting survival guide, man, so many books, welcome to the future. And you have your wife, Monica, whom I love. She is literally the sweetest little thing yeah, and your best. three children. Yeah. So you are light years in advance to me. You've walked Stop through that. a lot. See, I'm this is what you do. This is what you do, man. You are no, geriatric and the elderly. The Bible says that I'm to honor the elderly. And so <laughs> what are you No, but I about? do think you're, you're 13 years ahead of me and okay. you just have light, my wisdom. Light years. That's what Gen Z calls light years. Your buzz light year. <laughs> Come on. But you have 13 years more underneath your belt than okay. I do. And um, I've listened to your podcast and I've read your books. And so you just released another one. I think you released it on March 9th. Is that correct? Yeah, Mid-March, March 14th. March 14th. And so how has that been going so far? Because it's we're now into April, but how's that been so far? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, you know, it's it's always a humbling thing and I, you it's always weird to me when people are like oh it's really humbling when they're when something's going really well but i get it because it's like oh man i did not think it would uh you know and not that i don't believe in in 
God's work, you know, but I just, I yeah. didn't think it would do that well. And the coolest part is not the sales. It's the people that reach back out and like, Hey, this changed my life. And I'm like, Hey, God changed your life. He just used a book. And so he used a bunch of a collection of stories. So it's fun. It's like the premise of the book, the titles out of Romans seven. Why do I do what I don't want to do? Come straight from the Bible. I plagiarized Paul, but the premise of the book is really just this idea that, and, and I think you and I, we've talked about this before that I always thought the Christian life was boring. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Hey, the world looks fun. Christianity seems boring. And you get in Christianity and it feels like a bunch of don't do, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But what I see when I started reading the Bible for myself is Jesus calls us to this abundant life. And, and rather than trying not to do this thing over here, what if we went on offense and we said, no, we're going to do the thing that he calls us to. And when you do that, you, you find the abundant life that Christ has for us. And so it's it's a book for people who are interested in God's will for their lives and how to find the abundant life that that Jesus says that he offers us. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I think it's such a message that we need today. And I mean, I'm wondering, like, how did you come up with the idea? Because I was talking to someone about it and we were like, why has no one thought of this book before? How yeah. did you come up with the idea? Like what probed that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we did a series at the porch a while back called Vice and Virtue. And that was a really fun series to me to juxtapose um, like, hey, here's the sin, here's the bad habit, here's the struggle, and then here's the counterpart virtue. And so that I think that doing that series planted the seed and then just thinking through like if you've been in church long, you've heard this the term seven deadly sins, which isn't in the Bible anywhere, but uh, but the ideas come from biblical ideas. And really the seven deadly sins started as eight evil desires. And there's like a whole history lesson there. It's actually in the book. And I just thought, hey, what are the most, what are the the 10 sins that we're most prone to committing? And I realized that in ministry, that it's not like a, a really long list of things that take people out. It, it really is the same things over and over and over, like people making the same mistakes over and over and over. And if we can if we can have a tool that helps us assess where we're vulnerable to be taken out and we're called to pursue something else, something better, then we, you know, again, not to sound like a broken record, but we we find the abundant life that Christ has for us. So that's the that's the premise of the book. That's kind of where it that's the birthplace of it, where it came from. The when it was a fetus. That's how it started. <laughs> yeah, to use my word against me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, yeah. That's so funny. I remember that whole vices and virtue uh, sermon at the porch. That was a great one. And that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that is a lot of the the questions that everybody's asking is like, man, I really want to make a change. And then we always fall back right into the same old patterns, the same old habits. So I guess like where in your life, how did you make that transition? Because a lot of this you've walked through yourself. I mean, I know some of your story, maybe you can reshare that, but what was it for you that was like the pivotal moment of where you were like, okay, yeah, I can say I've confidently walked this book out or do you still struggle? I mean, maybe expand on that. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like, I mean, the, so the first, the first vice we deal with is pride. 
And I'm like, man, that feels like the foundation to everything wrong I do. Uh, C.S. Lewis says it's the sin that made the devil the devil. And so there's so many meaning just like when he fell from heaven, he didn't want to he didn't want to worship God. He wanted to be God. And so now he's here on the earth trying to be God. And I think that's the satanic spirit on the earth is when we try to be a God ourselves. And so pride, as an example, I think um, is oh, is every day I wake up, it's there as something that um, I'm tempted to fall into, choose to do, make decisions out of. But the counterpart of pride is humility. And so what does it look like if I wake up and I say, hey, I want to pursue humility today. How how well can I serve those that are entrusted to me in my life that are around me? What does it look like for me to, to make decisions at an expense to myself that betters their life, that betters their day, that that you know betters their existence? And as I consciously make the decision to pursue humility, then I am fighting pride. I'm I'm finding victory over pride. And so whether we go, you know, whether it's lust, whether it's materialism or greed, you know, as we as you move through the book, I mean, this is a full expose on all of the sins that I've I have done in epic proportions. Which is crazy because I mean, all of us, it's like I flip through the chapters again and I'm like, oh yeah, I've been materialistic, I've been prideful, I've dealt with lust, I've dealt with apathy, like so many of these topics are the things that I think are very common, but what do you do when like one is really winning over the other? Like if someone's like, no, I don't deal with apathy, but then they're like really struggling with lust. Yeah, I think, and I th- I'll just say this. I don't know that we always know. So I think there's a lot of people saying, yeah, I don't deal with apathy and they're just unaware. It, it's kind of a growing blind spot. But if I, um, but let's just say that's true. So first I'll say I'm reluctant to believe that because I don't think we're the best judge uh, of those things. And a lot of times the sin that takes us out is the one that's uh, we're least expected because if you struggle with lust, it's like you're fighting lust, you're aware of lust, and you don't realize that while you're fighting lust, you've taken the your eyes off the ball of apathy, and that's the thing that takes you out. So I, I think that happens a lot. But if I'm if I'm, let's just say lust is my greatest temptation, then I begin to put, um, you know, boundaries in my life. I invite accountability. I look for avenues to regularly confess sin for the purpose of prayer, James 5, 16. And I, I find freedom. And if it's depending on where it's at, um, you know, depending on where I'm at in my struggle, I may, you know, start a recovery program, something like regeneration or celebrate recovery. Uh, these, these things can, can really help. But yeah, I think I think that's, you know, it's like, but what I've heard, I guess what I'll say here is the number one feedback that I've gotten from the book is people are like, I was really tempted to skip that chapter. Mm. And then I read it and I realized, oh, wow, you were talking straight to me on a chapter that I wasn't even going to read because I thought, oh, that's not my thing. So that's what I hear more wow. and more. That is like really convicting because, yeah, you, you glance over the context, you could be like, oh, no, no, that's not me. But yeah. I think there's something in each chapter for everybody, because I think right. whether you want to admit it or not, everybody has faced something with this. And if that's you right. face it now, at some point, it will become something you'll face. So it's like, why not be proactive and read it now to be preventative? Yeah. You know, that's right. That's right. And I think that's like the, you know you're like, where did this idea come from? I'm like the Bible, like, I'm not smart enough to come up with this. And I think the reason, and this isn't a flex, I'm, I'm saying this to make another point. I think the reason like it's an instant bestseller is because it is, it does address a need and an experience that every single one of us faces every single day. So it's just a really, really wide net of, of uh, problems and a solution. 
So what if someone is reading your book and they feel extremely overwhelmed or extremely shamed or like, I do all of these. I, I yeah. suck. I've failed in so many ways. I don't even know where to start yeah. because you've given me seven areas where I suck. Yeah. What would be your advice so, to them? Yeah. So in the book, we we deal with um, alcoholism, you know, and, and sobriety or drunkenness and sobriety, things like materialism, greed, things like apathy, uh, lust, um, you know, and so the a full suite of challenges. And I think as you read it or as you see those, you don't not reading it, but as you see those, I think there is an inclination to think, oh, man, I do. I'm I'm so bad. I'm an awful human being. My friend um, who, who, you know, Shane Bernard, he has he tells this story about um, about walking along the beach one day and just having the enemy kind of rub his nose in his sins and he's just like hey you've you've lusted you've done this you're so prideful you're pathetic like you're you're such a sinner you're such a sinner and um and and, he, and he's just you know walking along the beach his head hanging low just feeling beat down and all of a sudden he has this light bulb moment he's like you're right i am i am but i have a beautiful savior Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we miss. And so out of that moment was a, a song was written called Embracing Accusations because he realized like I can embrace the accusation as the enemy and I can have those point me to Jesus. So Jesus is a savior. Like like think about like a that word save, like a lifeguard saves you. And for a lifeguard to save you, you have to be drowning. You know, you can't swim. You're in the water. You're drowning. And that lifeguard gets to do their job whenever you're drowning and and that lifeguard is really good at saving you and in fact they've saved every single person that has ever you know even attempted to drown well that's like Jesus metaphorically speaking Jesus is a savior he he's the best in the world at saving someone and all that you need to be saved by Jesus is to realize that man i have sinned in really big ways and so the only person that Jesus can't save is the person who doesn't realize they've sinned but the person who realizes they've sinned, they're they're in a beautiful position to be rescued by Christ and not just rescued, but given an inheritance that he says, hey, because you've realized of the bad things you've done and you've realized of my goodness and the good I can do for you, I want to give you an inheritance to you. You have become an heir to a kingdom. You can be with God and me forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And all of that starts like salvation really starts with this, just this idea that I'm, I'm a, I'm a sinner. So if somebody is overwhelmed with shame, I would say it, the shame is not good, but the realization that we need a savior, that's really good. And sometimes there's a really fine line between those two. So don't get stuck in shame. Use your shame to lift your head and say, oh, I need someone to rescue me. And that's someone is Jesus. Amen. That's so good. I guess like, I don't know, the the question that's now popping in my mind is like, how much of is it, how much of is it, is it like the Holy Spirit coming in and changing you? And then also you partnering with God and being like, because I do think there's a part where like, you have to choose to change. So how much of it is like the Holy Spirit coming and just rescuing you and then you partnering with God and being like, I need God because you know, I've seen some radical testimonies, radical stories of people being saved and set free from things. But I'm like, were they in a state of dependency with God? Were they not? I mean, I know it's not like a one size fits all answer, but I guess what are your thoughts on that? It's an age old theological dilemma, you know, and so I will, I'll give you, I'll give you my belief on that. 
I'm reminded of a verse. It's Colossians 129, and he says, I strenuously contend with all Christ's power at work in me. And so in that, you see the juxtaposition of, of a human's effort and God's power, Jesus's power at work. So he says, I strenuously contend with all Christ's power at work in me. So I have access to the power of God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so it's my efforts, but it's actually God's efforts. Like it's my efforts, it's God's energy. And and so I think it's when we start talking about your specific question of, hey, what is a, a human's responsibility and what is God's responsibility and where is it surrendering to the spirit? What are we doing and what is God doing? Uh, you kind of get into a little bit of a free will, predestination, sovereignty, right. um, conversation. And so here's my theology. I'll show my cards in that I believe that God is completely sovereign. I believe that we are drowning in sin. We're not just drowning in sin. We're dead at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, Jesus comes to us. He breathes life in us. As soon, you know, we our job is we just fight him. You know, we don't want to be rescued. He He lifts us up. He push, pushes us onto the pier to safety. I mean, he gives us CPR and, and in doing so, it cost him his life. Uh, he dies and, and he dies so that we can live. Now he came back to life. You know, we celebrate that at Easter. Um, but that's, I think our role is we just, we, in our flesh, we just fight God. And it, it is an act of the spirit, a, a grace where we come to even the realization or an interest in God. I think the interest that we have in God is given to us by God. Now there's really brilliant people that disagree with me, that they would say, hey, we have a bigger part than that. Um, it just, it, and that's okay. And we will we'll both be in heaven together. I don't think it's a, a salvific effort, a salvific dilemma, but I do think that, um, that our, we are culpable, but God is sovereign. And so somehow those two things fit together in ways yeah. that doesn't, doesn't really make much sense here. Right. And I do think it's different for each person on their story and journey and where they've been. I mean, yeah, my story is going to look different than yours. Um, and seeing how God moves for uniquely for each person. But I guess like when you look back to when you were doing things that you didn't want to do, what was it that was the changing moment? What got you yeah. from like, wow, I'm changing my life? I was, I mean, I was at a club 21, 22 years ago. And someone invited me to church and I like church was a place at that time where I would just daydream on Sunday morning and really just with a headache. Cause I really just would feel bad about what I did Saturday night. And so I went to the church they invited me to us and, and they exit the story, but I kept going. I would sit in the back row hungover and I would smell like smoke from the night before just partying the club, whatever. And I began to wrestle with what do I believe about God? And I always said, oh, I believe in God. I believe in God. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a God, you know, even Jesus, like Jesus and me are good. I'm great with Jesus. But just the realization, like I've always done what I've wanted to do. Like I've never been at a fork in the road and say, all right, God, what would you have me do? And then I just began to ponder this reality that if there's a God and he has a desire for my life and he really made me with some intentionality, then he's going to know a whole lot better than I do. Like he's going to, I should go and do whatever he wants to do at whatever it costs me because he's God and I am not. Yeah. And that really began the journey of, uh, I, you know, then I kind of go, all right, now who is God? And I started looking at world religions because I thought, man, what are the odds that I'd be born to the right country? Yeah. If I was born in China, 
I'd be Buddhist. If I was born in Iran, I'd be Muslim. If I was born in Israel, I might be Jewish. If I was born in India, I'd be Hindu. Like, what are the what are the odds I'd be born to the right country, the right family, where I'd be the right religion? And so I started looking at the Hindu faith, the Buddhist faith, the Jewish faith, the Islamic faith, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Church of Christian Science, Scientology. And in doing so, I kept tripping over the historical character of Jesus, that somehow this carpenter who was born in Bethlehem and grew up in Nazareth, he became the single most polarizing character in the history of history. Mm. Like, how did he become so world famous? And and like people, when I say Bethlehem, they know, oh, they're like, oh yeah, Bethlehem, that's where Jesus was born. Well, Bethlehem is a tiny town and there's towns all around it way bigger than it that you've never heard of because Jesus wasn't born there. Like, how did he do this? And every atheist like listening right now acknowledges Jesus by the date on their iPhone, 2,023 years from his birth. We started counting over how did he have that impact on our calendar? Yeah. And as I began to study that, I just like, oh, it's because he came back to life. Like somehow he died and came back to life. And and I realized, Janine, that that death on the cross, like that was for me. That's because I was a drug user, a, a porn addict, a sex addict, a materialistic, narcissistic, you know, self-worshipping individual and I realized like, man, Jesus paid my way in to be with God forever. Like I owe him everything. And that's when it all changed. Wow. That is so good. And man, like, okay. So, so say someone is where you were and, you know, maybe they're curious about God. Like you mentioned earlier boundaries and having a system what are those systems and what is like the first step in freedom for someone that, you know, it's like the verse, like as a dog keeps returning to his vomit. Yeah. Um, what is your encouragement to somebody that's like, I just keep going back, whatever it may be yeah. in your book. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like it was, you know, it, I was, uh, um, I was a porn addict and sex addict and, and I can remember, you know, I would, I would drive home every day from work and there was this billboard on the side of the road of of this it was an adult bookstore and it was it was this you know it was a woman um not wearing very much clothes and and uh and i would just in my sinful state of object like i would look at her at the end of the day and and um and and so that was just like a normal pattern in my life right and now I'm, I'm, I've become a Christian. The Holy Spirit is at work in my life. I'm experiencing, uh, I've, I feel conviction and, um, of sin and I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. And on this particular day home, you know, driving home now, I just feel this like intense, like closeness with Christ. Like, man, it's like Jesus and me in the car. I know that sounds weird, but it's like, man, I just like feel so thankful for him, so aware of what he's done for me. Like I've grown to this place where he's good. And that billboard is coming up, right? Like I'm I'm driving down the highway and it's coming up. And I think it's not worth it. Yeah. Like I'm not, it's not worth it for me to look up, right? I, I don't want to compromise where I'm at with Jesus and so like, I'm not going to look up, I'm not going to think anything, like I'm going to stay focused on my relationship with Christ. And I've heard it said, there's no greater way to overcome sin than to find a superior satisfaction in Jesus. And I've experienced that. And I, I think that we think spiritual maturity is knowledge and obedience. 
but spiritual mature maturity more than knowledge is is enjoyment mm. it's like enjoyment god like like learning to enjoy obeying him like believing that his ways are better than our ways like believing that the his instruction leads to life so there's there's some really brilliant theologians that are really spiritually immature um and yet there's some people that haven't been believers very long Christ followers very long that are actually really spiritually mature because they're just like, Hey God, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'm I'm right. in for whatever you ask me to do. So God, and that's such a difficult place to get to. And you're right. They are in a better spot because they almost have that childlike faith. And it's weird when you have to almost undo the, the wrong doctrine or the, the rules or the laws, you have to undo that, especially when you grow up in the church, like I yeah. have. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like, yeah, people sometimes have an advantage of coming from nothing of that and then yeah. having a baby faith and then getting to learn and experience yeah. in it. That's really cool. And a great point. Yeah. A fetus faith. That's what we, <laughs> that's what the Gen Z says. It calls a fetus faith. Yeah, no, I mean, the, next book. <laughs> yeah, fetus faith, the, the buzzword right now um, amongst, you know, your peers and listeners is deconstruction. Like everybody's yeah. going through deconstruction. Mm -hmm. And like, that's fine. Like, man, you know, deconstruct bad theology, deconstruct bad doctrine, deconstruct bad ideas. Just don't stay. It's so like I'm in Waco, you know, and Chip, Chip and Joanna are big, um, are a big deal here, right? Like their show Fixer Upper. And they, they have this thing in the show where it's called Demo Day, where they're just tearing down the house. They're tearing things out. But they do that. They tear out the bad to rebuild. And so don't stay in demo mode, you know, it's okay. Don't stay in deconstruction. You have to, at some point say, all right, the whiteboard is erased. And now I'm going to begin to put things back up there that I do believe to be true. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to begin to, to relearn and, and, um, and believe again, if you will. That's such a good point. I love that. That's a really good point. So going back to the question, what are your boundaries? Because here's the thing, and the truth and reality is that you are a pastor, you are on stage, we are seeing people fall left and right. And yeah. I mean, just so you know, like Caleb and I pray for you all the time. Like yes, thank we you. believe in you so, everyone. so much. Man, praise um, God. Everyone pray for JP. Please. But, do. Yeah, what are Please what are do. your boundaries so yeah. that you don't give into yeah. these vices and whatever? Yeah. In fact, just pause right now and pray for your boy. Yeah. I mean, truly, man, thank you. And and that so my boundaries and we can go, we can go one by one. Um, I'm there's, there's three guys I meet with every single Thursday morning. And, um, we, I confess send to them every single Thursday morning. They have access to my bank account. They have access to my email and text messages. All, any Instagram message that is sent to me goes to Monica's phone as well. So it's like, it's on both of our phones. So I've kind of forfeited the right to privacy and not kind of, I have forfeited the right to privacy. Mm. Um, I, you know, that people know what I, what I make, what I save, what I spend. Um, they, they, all, every, um, you know, conversation that I have, someone has access to, uh, and, and I'll say this, you know, because I think accountability is good and transparency is good. I also think there's a war on transparency right now, uh, where people are like, kind of, it's like that, man, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think is, is it true? And is it helpful? Um, are two good things to think about there. Is it true or is it helpful? Um, because I don't think we should just like hide from, Hey, you can't say that, uh, if, if it's true and if it's helpful. Um, 
Do you mean in the sense of exposing a sin or a struggle when, when yeah. they say you can't say that? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, there, it's, it, it gets, it gets really muddy, you know, with, right. with like, you know, the, the concept of triggering and, um, you know, even I've had people in, I was teaching at a seminary once and someone was like, Hey, you, you need to present as holy. You shouldn't be so open about your own sin. And I'm like, man, I am not going to play church games. Mm -mm. You know, it's like, what you see is what you get. And, and I hope that I pursue holiness. I have people in my life holding me accountable to pursuing holiness, but when I miss it, the last thing I want to do is try to hide it. <laughs> like I really, in our, in our, on our staff, we have a concept called spotlight. And so what we do is we say, Hey, when you make a mistake, put it on the table and let's everybody look at it, not to shame you, but so that we can learn. And so that we can tell you, Hey, we love you. And, and there's a, a, a big net of grace underneath you. And we're so glad you're, you're still a part of this family, you know? And, and so that's, that's, I think a, a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Um, you know, I'm still thinking through, you know, what are my boundaries? So like if we, again, we can go one by one. So with drunkenness, right. Um, I, I want to make sure, and I, I, I will have a glass of wine, you know, with a steak or, um, or on the patio with a friend or, or a beer. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want to make sure that I stay on this side of drunkenness. Right. And so that's right. the line that the scripture gives us. Uh, I don't want to do anything that would compromise my witness to someone else. And if I do, or if I did, then I want to confess it immediately. I want to bring it to the light immediately to never listen to the enemy who who then would come behind me and say, hey, you can't tell anybody that. You need to keep right. that to yourself. Take that to your grave. Man, I don't want to do that at all. I think that is the biggest danger is that most of these things that you're talking about in this book are happening within isolation. And yes. you're the one that's, I mean, I've heard you say it so many times. Or I think you said all bad ideas seem good in isolation. Is that yeah. how it goes? Every, every idea seems like a good idea in isolation. Right. And I think that is the problem is that so many people are not having their checks and balances. They're not living in the light, but the Bible talks about what's done in the darkness will be exposed in the light. And so in my opinion, I'm like, in some shape or form, it's going to be exposed. It's going to be manifesting somewhere else, whether you want to like to admit it or not. So it's like, why not just opt for that and live in the light and let people help you find freedom, help you heal, help you yeah. overcome that? Because in some shape or form, it will come out regardless. Yeah. And I mean, just like, you know, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Um, hiding something and thinking that it it doesn't uh, affect you is foolish. You're carrying around a weight and and it's going to show up at inopportune times. I talk about that on the chapter on, on unforgiveness. And so I, I think we have to have people in our lives, at least at a bare minimum, multiple believers in our life that we can confess to collectively. So not one-off conversations, not the best friend or just a mentor, but like believers that we meet with on a regular basis. If you're in a mega church, especially that you experience yeah. church in a smaller form, if you're in a smaller church, it may be just kind of your church. Right. And so, but I think we have to have those believers that we can, can confess into. And James five sixteen says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed for the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And so James is telling us, the Holy Spirit through James is telling us, there's a healing that only comes through corporate prayer, like through other people praying for us after we confess. And so that's something that I practice with that group uh, every single week. 
and that, you know, we call that community at Harris Creek. It's called a life group, yeah. but I hope everyone has, has can experience that. And I completely agree. And like, I don't think that you heal in isolation. And I just recently joined a community group and I already see the absolute benefits of it. I'm like, yeah. wow, because yeah. when you're sitting alone all by yourself, I mean, yeah, the enemy is just like, he's eating you alive. Yeah. And so I've found that to be so unbelievably true in my life. Um, and yeah, one of the last questions, this is kind of a random one, but I just thought about it because a lot of the times I get DMS from followers that live in Europe or they live in a different country. And they're yeah. like, we don't have churches like you. We don't have community like you. We don't yeah. have what you have. What advice would you give to that person that is like, I have nobody around me helping me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there are great churches in Europe and like, I think about HTB, um, Brompton, um, there's, there's a, a bunch of them, uh, even movements of God and throughout different parts of Europe. But, uh, they're also like technology removes all of our excuse yeah. because if we have a living room with multiple chairs or a table that we have access to, I mean, now you can turn on some of the most gifted communicators in the world on Sunday and you can start a church in your living room, you know? And so I, I wouldn't do that by yourself. Um, I wouldn't just stream like from a, a suite or a buffet of pastors by yourself on Sunday. I do think there's something to the corporate gathering, but you can create the corporate gathering by just going up to your neighbors in Europe or wherever you're at. Yeah. I mean, Iran, you know, Afghanistan, wherever you're, wherever you're, Saudi Arabia, and you can say, hey, let's meet in my house, you know, at this time. And if you can access the internet, you know, you can turn on whoever, and you can listen to that sermon and then keep up with that church from afar and apply the messages and learn the Bible from afar. We have more tools than any other generation that has ever right. existed, you know? And so that's, that's what we have available to us. That is a great response. Thank you. Yeah, I love sure. that. Um, okay. So we'll, we're going to wrap up, but I just want to know what was your most favorite chapter to write? And then what was the most uh, difficult one to write? Yeah, probably the same, probably the same chapter for both. So when I get to the alcohol chapter, drunkenness and sobriety, I just really like talk about my dad. So my dad passed away in 2020. And um, and when I was at home, my dad was an extraordinary man and uh, really taught me a work ethic and, and just um, taught me a lot about faithfulness. After I left home, he got vertigo and would self-diagnose vertigo or self-diagnose, self-medicate uh, vertigo with alcohol. And so he became an alcoholic later in life. Uh, he wasn't earlier in my life. And so my grandkids knew a very different dad than the one that I had. And so I, you know, with, with, he passed away, which allowed me to say some things that I, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been honoring, you know, if he was here and, uh, and I hope are, are honoring now. And I, I asked my mom, you know, for permission and, uh, and so that chapter was one, they say that sometimes writing is just like you cut yourself and you bleed on the page. And that's what that one felt like. And so in, in a way it was both, it was the hardest, uh, it, in some ways it was the hardest, in some ways it was the easiest. And when I, when I think about that question, that's the one that comes to mind. I think the apathy chapter is going to be, it's going to help the most people because nobody picks up a book about sin and thinks, oh, mine is apathy. Uh, but when you read that chapter, you realize that really anyone in the United States of America <laughs> is dealing with some apathy in their faith yeah. and uh, and just how dangerous it is in the scripture. It really kind of brings everything to a halt in Acts chapter five. 
And so, or perception management uh, does. And so those are some of the things that I think about. I love it. Thank you for sharing. I genuinely yeah. believe this book is going to set so many people free. Um, can't wait to get the audio book. Wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sending um, it to you. And everyone can get this book on Amazon and anywhere that books are sold. Is that correct? Yeah. Everywhere books are sold, uh, pick it, it up. And, and it is, as, as Janine just said, it's, uh, it's on audio as well. And I, I got to read it. So it was fun. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom, yeah. the truth for helping a generation that is confused or that needs truth and wisdom. So thank you for being bold yeah. in your faith and helping me as well. And um, looking forward to, to continue to cheer you on. Yes. Thank you, Janine. Thanks for having me on. All right. Of course. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, that was today's episode with JP. You guys can probably see why I brought him on today's episode. Um, he's just a gifted speaker. He's an incredible leader, pastor. I mean, and I love his books. Like his books have genuinely helped me so, so much. And so I hope you guys will check this out and you guys will enjoy it. I definitely think it will have some amazing truths in there for you guys. And JP just always has some bars to say, like whenever I don't necessarily know how to answer something or I need the words of wisdom, I go to JP. I'm like, where can I find that? So I'm just really thankful that he came on today's podcast and I'm sure this was a blessing. If it was, let me know. Feel free to please tag me or JP or the Happy Healthy Podcast on Instagram. I genuinely love knowing when you guys are listening, when you're on your hot girl walks and you're listening to the podcast or you're watching with your friends or whatever. So please always tag us. I love to see those and repost those and it genuinely makes my day and it makes me so happy. So thank you guys so, so much. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I will have a solo episode coming soon. Um, and yeah, you guys can always catch me daily on Instagram. That's where I'm always posting consistently. So check me out on there. That is Janine Amapola. And the podcast name is Happy Healthy Podcast on Instagram. And you guys can watch these as well on Spotify and YouTube. So you guys go check those out and subscribe to those. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you guys again next Tuesday. But until then, stay happy and healthy. Bye, y'all. Bye.